NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that knows that when you control the mail, you control information. Here is the captain. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today in the garage, we are very happy to be featuring Fossil Cove Brewing Company's Session IPA, brewed in beautiful Fayetteville, Arkansas. Fossil Cove's Session IPA features four different kinds of hops with hints of stone fruit, citrus, and pine. ABV 4.9% garage grade four and a quarter, bottle caps out of five. And let's give some thanks and praise to those of you who helped to fill up the old garage fridge for this week. First up, let's send a cheers to Cat in wild and wonderful West Virginia. And a big We Like to Jib goes out to Joanna in Ithaca, New York. Next up, we have a big cheers to Evron Ingram in Aaron, Wisconsin. And last but certainly not least, we have Tori and Alina and parts unknown everyone we just mentioned they went to truecrimegarage.com and clicked on the pint glass and for that we thank you yeah in beer run if you're looking for our first 50 episodes or our bonus episodes or off the record you can sign up for all those through the apple podcast app and all the bonus material is available through the website store and that's enough of the business All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
Many of us know the extraordinary power of a well-written letter. Words are the only tool we have to precisely convey the concepts in our minds. Words are one of the best tools we have to express the feelings we are experiencing in both mind and body. One can use the extraordinary power of a letter to tell you what is in their heart. Here is a powerful letter that I recently reviewed that moved me, and it reads, I'm writing to you with all my heart, and a broken one at that. My brother Jason Dale Bolton was killed on August 21st, 1991. He was 16 years old. He was killed in Indiana, near the Fayette, Franklin, and Rush County lines. My family and many others believe with all of our hearts that he was murdered. His killers did a good job to make it look like an accident. Sadly, there was not a comprehensive investigation by police. His killers were drug addicts, child molesters, rapists, and pedophiles. Most of the people that were involved have been in prison for such things in the years after Jason's murder. We believe the police got their information from the people responsible for the crime and cover-up. Foul play had to be suspected in his death at that time. We believed so, but did not know the facts until years later. However, based on the lies told at that time, they ruled it an accident. Jason, my brother, was killed at the age of 16 years old in a most horrific way. The very people responsible lied to the police, and the police based their conclusions on these untruths. My family has tried to get this case investigated for years. We have suffered. Jason's death is now on the back burner and left there. The facts of the case warrant a thorough investigation. With the help of others, I am trying to get America's Most Wanted, FBI, and others involved. I am begging you for your help. Please put an end to our suffering for justice. My brother was with the wrong crowd. These were our neighbors and people we grew up with. I only want the truth. He was murdered, and we need these people brought to justice, as does society. His killers have lived lives of hideous crimes. They should be taken out of society. Please do not allow them to continue their ways. My family has suffered all these years instead of them. They have made a mockery of our justice system. I ask again for your help in this matter. Please, help us find justice. I have documentation to support my beliefs, which I long to share, if you will find it in your heart to investigate. I pray that you will put me in touch with the right people. I have so much to share. I need someone with an open mind, heart, compassion, and empathy. My desire is for the truth to come out. I have no problem forgiving law enforcement for their mistakes. That is not what this is about, as we made our mistakes in Jason's life as well. Please allow your heart to open up an honest investigation into Jason's death. This is all we ask. What you just heard are portions of a letter written by one of Jason's family members, someone who is begging for help.
This is True Crime Garage. This week, we have a case for you that is unique in many ways. I have said time and time again on this show that all of these cases are unique. They are all very different from one another. If the case is featured here in the garage, it is a story that must be told. This story is tragic no matter what your opinion of the case is. It is most certainly one that bears further examination. Jason Dale Bolton age 16, was killed August 21st, 1991. That was a Wednesday. He was out that night attending a party with a bunch of his friends, or at least people that he believed to be his friends. He was killed in the dark early morning hours of August 21st, 1991. His death was ruled some sort of freak accident. To put it plain and simple, it was said that a bunch of youngsters were out partying all night long. They had all had a bunch to drink. Some of them took drugs or at least smoked a little marijuana. And then a traffic accident led to the death of Jason Bolton. He was the victim of a good night, which led to a very bad morning. That is what the law was told. And that is what they believed. And a coroner's report did nothing to change that. Jason's death was ruled an accident of the vehicular variety. Jason was killed after being struck by a car on a county road in Fayette County, Indiana, in the dark of the night. Well, like we said, Jason Bolton was 16 years old, but who was he leading up to this night in question? That's right, Captain. He was born just 16 years prior in Connorsville and was a lifetime resident of Laurel, Indiana. Jason Bolton attended Laurel Pentecostal Church and as a little boy, Laurel Elementary and then Brookville Middle School. And this is a very small community. Very small rural community. Jason was survived by his parents, Gary and Margie Boyer, and his grandparents, Luther and Alpha Raider. He's also survived by his two brothers and four sisters. Now, sadly, when someone passes away at such a young age, typically their obit will list many more survived by names than preceded in death by. And Jason's list 10 as survived by and zero in the other column. Services were to be held the day after the obituary was printed up in the Thursday, August 22nd, 1991 edition of the Palladium Item newspaper. Services were held Friday, August 23rd at the Laurel Pentecostal Church with the Reverend Ed Seeley officiating. Burial is in the Laurel North Cemetery. And as sad as it was, that is how it was and how it would be for a couple of years. But Jason's family, they were never fully satisfied with the explanation that they received from law enforcement and others about Jason's death and the events of the night leading up to his tragic end. For starters, the family was told that Jason was walking to his father's home after a party. Well, on the surface, Captain, this may sound reasonable. However, the family says not only did Jason not reside with his father, 
The two had little to no relationship at all. Jason was estranged from his father. Right. Jason lived with his grandparents, and if Jason was intent on reconciling with his father, well, then that would have been surprising news to most, if not all, of Jason's family. Right, and basically what law enforcement is saying is Jason's out partying with some friends. He's intoxicated. Now he's looking for a place to stay. They believe he was heading uh, on foot to his father's house. And a big problem we're going to have here in this case, Captain, is the lack of detailed information in this case. The family was told that on this walk from the party to his father's residence, that due to intoxication, Jason and another boy or another young man both decided that it was a good idea to lie down in the middle of the road and that the boys must have fallen asleep. As it said in the newspaper, Jason was struck by a car. But you hear the previous statements, and it's clear he was run over. This is starting to sound all too familiar, isn't it, Captain? Yeah, we just need a one Bill Clinton and a one Fami Malik. Well, it's one thing to be intoxicated and walking on a dim road and possibly being struck by a vehicle driven by somebody that is also intoxicated. It's pretty far-fetched for me to hear a story where you go, well, they were so intoxicated and so tired that they decided, well, we'll just uh, lay down on the road for a while. Right. I'm, I'm not very proud to report that in my teenaged years, I had a lot of friends. The not very proud part is some of them were quite dumb, some of them were quite creative, and some of them regularly intoxicated. However, I did not have any friends that were the perfect combination of all three. I did not have a friend that was dumb enough, creative enough, and drunk enough all at the same time that he would decide that taking a little snooze in the middle of a county road is a good idea, especially in the dark. All right, let's go through the official record here. This is from the coroner's report. The coroner at the time, Captain, is a man by the name of Joseph Todd. And we also have contributing to this report or the information in this report is Deputy Sheriff Murray and Trooper Todd Fields. And it's stated in the report that the time of death for Jason Bolton is listed at around 3 a.m. The time pronounced death is at 4.20 a.m. And the circumstances surrounding the death is as follows. It is believed that the deceased and a friend, and he is listed here, we'll just give his first name, Timothy, had been visiting and drinking beer. They decided to walk to the decedent's father's house on County Road 750 South. Upon doing so, it is believed that the two boys became tired and sleepy due to alcohol and the late hour and stopped to rest. It is believed that the boys fell asleep or passed out on the county road and were in the roadway when a vehicle driven by a one Mr. Grimm came upon them. Mr. Grimm told Trooper Fields that he thought that he saw a person in the road and drove left to avoid him. This not seeing the second person on the other side of the road. Grimm's vehicle struck the deceased. The front left tire struck the deceased in the groin area, causing severe trauma and loss of tissue. 
The body was pushed down the road for a short distance and then passed over the body, crushing the rib cage on the left side and fracturing the skull in two places. The deceased had no ID on his person and was later identified by his sister at the hospital morgue. The cause of death here is listed as massive internal injuries and internal hemorrhaging. The body was released to a funeral home at 8 a.m. that morning, the 8 a.m. the morning of this report. And the investigation, as far as the coroner's report states, is done by Fayette County Coroner Joseph E. Todd. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me unless you can prove through like a toxicology report that maybe there's some other drug involved where these guys would just, you know, pull a Wizard of Oz where we would just going to lay down for a while before we hit the emerald city it just doesn't add up to me and if you were getting tired why wouldn't you just go into the grass and go to some kind of level of safety i mean instead of just going well i'm just going to lay down in the middle of the road look if uh, there's no doubt and we know from other information that we've seen there's no doubt that there were substances in jason bolton's uh, body at the time of his death and he was only 16 years old and so i get that kids and drunk people make mistakes it happens all the time this doesn't seem like a likely scenario at all even with factoring in dumb teenage decisions and intoxication and the thing here that's missing from this report would be statements that should have been if they were in fact taken at the scene when law enforcement arrived on the scene. Those statements, here's some issues where you can start to see a problem with this case. You don't have Jason, unfortunately, to tell us his side of the story and what took place that night. So you are only left with the people at the scene. Well, if they interviewed them, and I keep saying if because we don't have any documentation that these people were interviewed. Right. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm not saying that police did not conduct those interviews. What I'm saying here is where I'm from, and Captain, I think you will agree with me on this. Dumbassville. When cops arrive at a scene. Know it all, Boulevard. Or they are out cruising around, and they see a bunch of 18, 17, 19-year-old boys in a vehicle or arrive on a scene, and that's the situation as well. Where I'm from, they're suspicious of everything. Mm-hmm. If if they show up and you are 17 to 19, a uh, young male, and you got a vehicle, you're probably getting some kind of citation, even if you were perfectly in the right. But because it's three in the morning and I smell a little alcohol on you, something like that, you're, you're going to, you're going to get into some kind of trouble. So I'm a little surprised here that the spidey sense of these guys didn't go off when they're arriving on the scene going, I might want to spend a little time here and figure out that this might not be what it appears to be or what these guys are telling me it is, because here's where you have some problems. The report specifically lists that the, another guy, according to the driver, and we're calling him Mr. Grimm, but let's keep in mind, he's only a little bit older than our victim here. Mm-hmm. We're just calling him that. So we do not use his first name. He states in the report that I saw one person in the road, 
So I swerved to avoid that person and then by accident ran over the other person in the road that I did not see. Okay. All right. That's your story. Here's the problem. Where's the person that was in the road with Jason Bolton? Right. That person was not at the scene when police arrived. So either a, your driver, Mr. Grimm is lying or B there was somebody else in the road or there was somebody else that was supposed to be at that scene when you arrived and they fled before you got there. And how many people were in the vehicle at the time when law enforcement showed up? That's what's missing from the report as well. There was more than one person in that vehicle, Captain. We're, we're talking this scene should have had four to five individuals at the scene when police arrived. And we're not saying that it doesn't exist, but what we know from the family, what we know from the community, and what we know from the true crime community, and that's what the frustration is here, is if you're going to rule this accidental death, then the case is shut and all this information should be given over to the family. And so if there are interviews, they should be released to the public. Here's the other thing that would make your make you question this statement. Okay? So we have the guy, one of the people that were that was lying in the road, if if we are to even believe that that's the way this went down. Right. But according to the story that was fed to the police and the police it sounds like they believed it because here we sit all of these years later with a very questionable death, suspicious death. And if we're to believe that story, Jason was lying in the road with somebody else. When police arrive on the scene, Jason's dead. And the person that was lying in the road was not injured and is not present at the scene. Yeah. Where did they go? Exactly. But then examine that, examine that report a little bit more. It says that it is believed that the f- the very first sentence is that it is believed that the dece- the deceased and a friend and the friend is named Timothy had been visiting and drinking beer so by visiting they're saying they were at a party mm-hmm. and they were drinking and that is common knowledge they're being nice here by saying it is believed this is what's crazy you got to peel you got to rip through the lines and read through the lines of this report. You don't have Jason Bolton to tell you that they were at a party and they were drinking. He's dead. Mm-hmm. You do not have Timothy who was supposedly in the road with Jason at the scene to tell you that he was at a party with Jason and drinking. He's gone. He's not at the scene. You have the driver. You have the driver and the occupants of the vehicle telling you, oh, they were at a party and they were drinking. Well, how do you know that? Well, we were at that same party. Yeah, and we're friends with them. Yeah, we know them. We're friends with them. So all kinds of questions. Why do you have friends leaving the same party, apparently going in the same direction? They're not riding together. It seems it's not out of the realm of possibility here, Captain, but it seems like a major coincidence that a a group of two leave a party, decide to lay down or pass out in the middle of a county road, and then a group of two or three leave the party going in the same direction in a car and happen to run over one of those individuals. And then the other individual flees the scene. Yeah. And if you are able to question Timothy, then wouldn't he be the one he's, he's like the answer key to this test. Mm-hmm. If he can tell us, Hey, you know what? We, we uh, smoked a little pot. It made us both feel a little drowsy. We didn't decide to stop on the road 
and to just lay down, we both started feeling a certain way, and I believe that we both passed out. Now, if you told me that, if Timothy can tell me that, then I might be buying this horse shit story that this is a, just a accident. Exactly. And as far as the coroner's report goes, Captain, the only witness listed is the driver of the vehicle. So he certainly has a dog in the fight to want to tell his version of the story. Yeah, because it's either an accident or it's a thing called murder. Exactly. Now, when you review the injuries to our victim here, it makes it even a little more, even more questionable. So according to the injuries here in the coroner's report, uh, it says body marks and other information. Number one, they've listed severe trauma from tire. Okay. So number one on the diagram of the deceased, they, they draw what appears to be severe damage to the groin area of, of the deceased. And we know from the report that there was a lot of soft tissue damage to that area, which to me, look, I'm not going to pretend to, to understand the science of the, of this whole thing. I'm not in, in forensics or any of that, of course, but he's clothed lying in the road. Of course, there's going to be damage, but the way that that damage is described as I don't want to get too descriptive here, but to, to put it plain and simple, the all of that soft tissue area in the groin area of our victim removed from the body. Yeah, it's a true crime show. Let's, you know, let's stop pretending, you know, his penis was removed. This is a horrible thing. And this is why the family deserves justice. That's this is why this boy deserves justice. When when he's clothed lying in the road. They're, what they're stating by the report, Captain, is that he must have been lying there with his legs open and one of the tires happened to go right in there. Field goal, the shot is up, it's good, right down the middle. And I I just don't see how that works out making the injuries as they're described. And then when you look at the other injuries they list, number two, crushed rib cage left side. Number three, lacerated scalp and skull fractures. Number four, abrasions. The abrasions are to the left arm of the deceased. And number five, tattoo of skull and letters of JD on the body. So you would have information about the person on here, not just the injuries listed at this portion of your coroner's report. Again, think of what our witness, right? Our, Our one witness that's listed here on the report says that, oh, I saw someone in the middle of the road or on one side of the road, and I swerved to miss them, to avoid them, and I ran over somebody that I didn't see who was lying on the other side of the road. When you look at the injuries and the way that they played out, if, in fact, the car does go over top of Jason, hitting him first in the groin area, avoiding both legs, (sighs) Yes, I get that, according to the report, he was pushed down the road for a short distance and then passed over. But a lot of these injuries, to me, don't seem to line up with the tracks of tires. Certainly, some of these injuries are from the road itself. 
but I'm seeing a report here that that includes a story here and one and one is not equaling two in my humble garage opinion. I'm glad you brought up math because like you said, we only have one eyewitness account. There was more than one person there. We should have more than one eyewitness account. And so therefore the family, the community doesn't have the full complete story and that onus is on law enforcement. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. 
Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. All right, we are back, you filthy animals. Cheers, and cheers to you, Colonel. Cheers to you, Captain. Now, we do have to point out something here, and we've said this is always a problem for law enforcement, and that's why criminals do what they do. When law enforcement arrive on the scene here, they think that they are responding to a vehicular accident, a a tragic one that resulted in the death of one of the people at the scene. But you have to investigate further. And we have no proof that they did any of that. And I firmly believe had they done that, they might have stumbled upon something else. Now, we know that this is difficult for law enforcement. It has been since the beginning of time, and it will be for the until the end of days. That's why when somebody kills someone in a home, they burn the house down. We've seen how that works out, and it works to the disadvantage of law enforcement. We've seen that... Sometimes a would-be kidnapper forces or, or tricks a child into leaving a note for mom. And then later, it's an abduction situation. We've seen situations where a ransom note is left when no intention of giving the person back, returning the person, was, was ever involved in the MO for the criminal. So these things are always complicated for law enforcement. We need to point that out as we go through this because they're showing up on the scene and it sounds like we only have two people responding to this scene and we're talking about a a vehicle death, a roadside death here. And like we said, this is a very small community, but this is a tragic accident. There should be more law enforcement involved. Here's the other issue too. You have your one witness. He tells you that, well, the the two people that were in the road, they were at a party. They were drinking. 
Where, well, where were you? I was at the same party. I was drinking, um, and the the person in my vehicle was was there as well. Right away, you go, oh, all four of you came from the same party? Right. Well, first off, that's a little weird, but not out of the realm of possibility. Here's your other question. You know the other guy that was in the road? Okay, where is he? Where might I find him so I can get a statement tonight from him? Right. I'm not saying that anybody's done anything wrong here. I'm saying this could be a an accident, a horrible accident, but I need to get a statement from that individual as well. I don't know where he is. He he fled. When we called when we called you guys, he fled. He took off. Okay, well where may he be? And oh by the way, who was hosting the party that y'all came from? Mhm. I need to talk to the person hosting the party. I need to get a list of names of people that attended the party. I can get that. I would want to get a list of names of people that attended that party from the two people in the vehicle, the driver and the passenger. I would want to get a list of names of people at that party from the other guy that was in the road, supposedly in the road with Jason. Passed out. I would want to get a list of names of people at that party from the host, whoever hosts the party, and cross-reference those names. And I want to talk to every one of those people. The other problem here with this case and, and pointing and the idea that one of the issues I have with this case is you go, well, these guys went to the same party. Are they friends? And you go, actually, they are part of a pretty close, small circle. Mm-hmm. And so this, these friends got separated. Did they attend the, did they attend the party together? Because if they did, then did they leave the party together? Nailed it. That's the most important thing right there. Because the rumor mill in this story has been that there were people at that party that saw these people leaving together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's here's where I have an issue with everything. Leaving together or the other problem would be even just leaving at the same time. Because if you got two dudes on foot and two dudes in a car, they don't end up at the same spot in the road at the same time. Nope. Now, if you have four dudes leaving together all in a car and two of them end up in the road and one of them ends up run over, we have another problem. So that's where these statements and the lack thereof written documentation of these statements gets in the way of a real true understanding of what happened that night. Well, and I'll repeat, we're not saying that these don't exist. They're just, they have not been given to the family. And when the family has been questioning this, questioning this since 1991, it's a long time. The family has received some of the reports and some photos, but not enough to, to rally the troops and get another investigation into this case and that's what i think needs to be done here my my problem is that we've talked about this time and time again captain the other killer is time time is the killer of evidence and a lot of time has expired in this case the the two documents that we have that we can review the information on there doesn't add up to me the 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 injuries as described does not add up the report of the one witness who is the driver, we know that there was a passenger in the vehicle. There's no mention of him in that report at all or him giving a statement. And if it's not clear to everybody, 
the one witness that we have the statement from, he obviously has an agenda because if it's not an accident, it's murder, and he goes to jail. And, and you know, we, I would argue that he has an agenda even if it is an accident. Yes. Given that he's partying that night, th- that's reckless behavior in itself. Mm-hmm. Because if they were walking and he didn't see them because he was intoxicated and he hit them, he would be responsible for their death. But his story is they passed out in the middle of the road. It's an accident because they passed out in the middle of the road. They're responsible for their own death. We do have some rumors coming out of this party saying that this group of individuals came together mm-hmm. and left together. But there's also rumors that there was a confrontation or maybe possibly multiple confrontation at this party. Yeah, and this is where the story gets even more wonky because we have these unnamed eyewitnesses that give different accounts of what may have happened that night at the party. And some of the witnesses believe that whatever happened, whatever type of altercation that may have led to this took place after these four individuals, including Jason, left the party together. The other version is that some kind of altercation took place at the party and the four of them left together. However, Jason left in the trunk of the car with the other three, one a driver and two passengers. The story being here that if it is not what it it was said to be by the people at the scene, by the driver of the vehicle, and by what police ended up believing, then it is the murder of Jason Bolton covered up by running him over with this vehicle. Mm -hmm. And what we need, again, is the statements from the people at this party because what, what the rumors are and what they have been for all of this time is that Uh, some type of fight broke out or a disagreement took place prior to the four of these individuals leaving. And then come sunup, one of them's dead. One of them is being identified by a family member at the County morgue. And the other three are sleeping safe and sound at home in their beds. And just so we're clear, we have some individuals at this party saying, that they didn't see confrontation. So if there was a confrontation, it must have happened when these guys left together. Then there's another group at that party that claims that there was a confrontation, but that confrontation happened at the party. Yeah, and it's very weird here, too, with the coroner's report, Captain, because one of the things that they state in the coroner's report is that an autopsy was not conducted. However, it's stated that a toxicology tests were conducted on the decedent and in the toxicology report, it's reported that the alcohol was found in his system as well as Xanax. Xanax was also reported by others or, or rumored to be part of the evening's festivities, if you will, for that party. But I find it a little curious that one would not conduct the autopsy, but then send off for the toxicology report. It's almost like, well, if we can confirm that he was intoxicated, then that further bolsters their story, further backs up their story, right? The, of, of the statements that we did get 
the statements that we did take that night. Well, he was messed up and he laid down in the middle of the road. It would make more sense to me if you're sending off for, for toxicology to also conduct the actual autopsy. This is a small area, as you pointed out, Captain. This is not an area where they're overrun and, can, and, and have a backlog of, of people that they need to conduct an autopsy on. The, the other issue, and this is one thing that is good. This, this is a horrible story. But one thing that is good here is that back in the day, and this this was true for damn near every county in the this country. But at one time you had coroners, and then at at another time, a lot of that started morphing into you had medical examiners instead of a coroner. Well, the coroner system under the coroner system. You don't have to have any medical background at all. You're, you don't have to be a doctor. In fact, most of them were not doctors, especially in rural communities. And they were simply either elected officials or they were appointed officials. And we saw that with the boys on the tracks case with, with your boy Fami Malik and, and all the problems that that created that he was not, uh, in, in our opinion, certified or, or he would not hold that position today. Well, right. And then after his, his bad reporting, they just gave him a raise and uh, gave him a promotion, shuffled him off to a better job. Yeah. Great job, Mr. Bill Clinton. So here in this situation, we have a very similar situation. Now, I don't know what the credentials of this Joseph E. Todd are, but what I do know is he's not a doctor. And I do know that he's a county coroner and not a medical examiner. And so where I say there is some good, a lot of that in this country has changed throughout different states and throughout different counties in many of those states. And, and I, I can't get into all the complicated problems with the old boy, the old coroner system. Uh, yeah, but his report might not be that far off. True. But, but his report is not telling us what the intent was. And, and the intent really becomes from those eyewitnesses at the party. If you tell me, well, we had three guys that left, but if you tell me that we have eyewitnesses from that party that said four individuals left, but one of them was put in a trunk, just, just that alone, you're going to tell, you're going to have law enforcement tell me that somehow they released that guy from a trunk. Uh, one of the other passengers get out, they decide to walk ahead, uh, far enough ahead that they get drowsy and they decide to fall asleep in the middle of the road far, far enough ahead where the, the driver and the other passenger then hit them when they're lying in the road. It, none of it really makes a lot of sense. And, and then, so when you have these eyewitnesses saying, Hey, they all left together. Yes. We don't have statements from everybody, but the statements from the driver, what is he staying saying happened? Is he just just outright denying what the eyewitnesses said? And th- that's why there's so many questions in this case, and I just don't think it's fair for the family at all. You're exactly right, and I think that's where, in fact, the problem lies, right? We, you, you are right, Captain. This coroner, his report could be, could be 
the best that he could do. However, right. the report, what's clear to me, is incomplete. Right. And furthermore, I what I suspect happened here is that law enforcement arrived on the scene. They interviewed who was left at the scene and took their statements and chose to believe them and did not investigate any further. Yeah, this case is so wonky, donkey, dicky, wicky. And I think that very quickly, had they gone that step, I'm not even going to call it an extra step because it's the appropriate step that should have been taken. Mm-hmm. Had they just taken that appropriate step. I think they would have found some witnesses that would have had statements that would make you, that would either completely contradict Mr. Grimm's statement or would make you question his statement. Because again, if the four left at the same time, this should not have happened. It, that car was not going slower than the people walking. If they left at the same time in the vehicle together, this should not have happened. How did the two guys end up in the road and scratch that? How did Jason end up in the road? Because I don't believe the other dude was in the road at all. If all four of them left together in the vehicle. Right. And then the other version of that story is the four of them left together. And Jason Bolton was in the trunk of that car. He's a freaking hostage. He's a, he's abducted by this point and he's 16 years old. Yeah. And if law enforcement actually believes this bullshit story that they're putting out, then like I said, they owe information to the family and the community and and case closed, right? But you haven't provided that information. You provided some, but I, I also don't think it's fair in a sense to say, well, this is, uh, this is the report that the police gave us and maybe that was the report at the time. That doesn't mean that there's other police officers that have been involved in this investigation or... In, in this investigation that think that there might be more to the story, but they just can't prove it. I mean, if you have individuals fleeing the scene and you're not, and you're not able to question them at that time or later on, when you go to question them, they're not giving you in any information. It could be simply, we think we know what happened. We think parts of this story are bullshit, but you got to be able to prove it. Right, and I think that you are spot on with 99.9% of that statement. And the only part of it that is weird is I think that, you know, you're using, for lack of a better term, investigation. What it looks like to me, and I think you will agree with me, Captain, is not much of an investigation at all. And Two people on the scene, two law enforcement officers on the scene that night. I mean, this is horrible. It's a 16-year-old kid that was run over. It's horrible if it's an accident. It's even more horrible if it's a murder. But either way, he deserved, the family deserves, more than two law enforcement officers showing up and trying to figure out what happened. Because like we've said over and over, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to be the smartest person at the scene. But if we were law enforcement and we showed up to that scene and we think we both uh you know find ourselves to be very intelligent and most of the time we think we're right about everything but we still would call for backup would still call other people in to investigate this crime scene or this accident scene and we would get that list of names of the people at that party list of names of the people at the the scene that should have been at that scene 
and we would go and talk to each one of them. And that's where I think that there's. Well, we'd also try the beer and and give it a <laughs> three and a quarter star, <laughs> three and a quarter bottle caps. And I think they did question some of these people, but where are the reports? Right. Where are the statements? If if this in fact is an accidental death, that's all public record, uh, especially at this point. But it should have been public record to the family at that time, as soon as that that determination was made, and as soon as there was no investigating going on and had that been the case look here's the problem that you have with a lot of these cases okay boys on the tracks there there's another very similar story of some adult males that were killed in oklahoma lying on railroad tracks here the narrative is that two boys were lying in the road in all scenarios the 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 boys or men are to be passed out so high or so drunk that they just fell asleep in a location that would end up with one or two of them being run over by a train or by a vehicle. Right. And the problem with these stories is that if in fact it is ruled an accident, we've seen this time and time again, you rule something an accident. It's very difficult, very difficult for people, for citizens to go in and get that changed to go in and get that ruling changed because many often the time captain, you're not going to get an additional investigation or even an investigation until you get that changed. And the problem here is that nobody questioned this. The family just like boys on the tracks in Arkansas, just like the story in Oklahoma, family questioned it later. Keep in mind, they are mourning the loss of a loved one. They are shook to their core. They're not thinking clearly. They're not questioning authority. In the moments, the minutes, the hours after the death of their loved one, no, they're hurt. They're heartbroken. And there's no media. There's no newspapers. There's no reporter sniffing around going, uh, you know, this is something that we should report on because it was a murder. It was a homicide. No, with an accident, they typically write it up in the newspaper once. They tell the story on the news once. And everybody starts the grieving process and then we move on. So then there's no documentation when you try to go back, back retroactively and figure out what may have actually have happened. There, there's, there's nothing for you to review. Yeah, because it, it's possible that this was an accident. It just didn't go down the way the person responsible for the accident is telling us it went down. Because think about it. Maybe he left, oh, these guys were, were being assholes, so I let them out of my car, and they took down the road. Uh, they took off down the road. Well, we stayed in our car for a while and drank some more booze and and did some more pills and then we took off and I passed out at their wheel. But I think there's a bunch of stuff in this case that would easily be able to tell us some answers. One, did they go to the party together? Right. Did they leave the party together? When they left, where in the vehicle were these individuals? Like you said, if two took off on foot and two took off in a car, well, did they leave at the same time or not? 
And then also, why don't we have a, a statement from the other boy that supposedly was passed out in the middle of the road? Exactly. And again, I'm not to just keep going over the same information here. Why was the party never investigated? Why were those individuals not uh, statements requested from those individuals? Well, that's because there's only two law enforcement officers right. that showed up and they didn't call anybody else. And it was late. They got eh, tired. You know, we they decided to lie down in. in the middle of the road and take a nap. Hey, you can't call anybody in. We'd have to pay them. So the other thing, too, here, Captain, is we have the time of death listed at about 3 a.m. Uh, what we do know, based off of information that we've received, is that it is believed, and underline this a couple times, because it is firmly believed that an hour to possibly closer to 90 minutes expired before 911 was called. So one, why the delay? Two, <laughs> you have to have a delay to get your story straight. Right. Two, according to the information that's out there, is that the the caller did not give their name. Okay, I get it. Panicked situation. But if this information is correct and you've had sixty to ninety minutes, you should not be full on panic at this point. You've had some time to recoup before you called. So the name of the caller was never given. And I guess the description of where they were to respond to this accident was incorrect as well. Now, that could be completely coincidental. Right. That could also be uh, another measure taken by the perpetrator of somebody who's trying to cover up other crimes. You got two scenarios here as far as the 911 call. If, if this is called in, like you said, 90 minutes later, well, if it's called in by a, a passerby, maybe that's the reason why the location wasn't correct because it wasn't from a local. Then that means the person that ran over wasn't the caller. Wasn't the caller. So and unless they're injured so, beyond the ability to go to a phone and call, right? That's another big question mark. And here's the thing, too, Captain. I I want to try to really direct this the the direction that I think that this should should be heading here and should have taken should have headed in 1991 maybe call more than one officer to come well but on top of that I don't I don't necessarily look at this and go well this was a police cover up I think that this was just not investigated I think that they responded to something else and I think that they believed when they arrived what they were hearing. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think oftentimes when you are told what the call is and you are racing towards a scene and you're told why you are going to that scene, sometimes you already make it up in your mind that that's what I'm going to see and witness once I get there. And I think they hear this, the, the one witness statement, maybe two, but we don't have any record of a second witness. I think they believed it. And I think that they didn't do any type of investigation to confirm or refute the information that they were given by people at the scene. And I think the toxicology report then backed up what they believed happened. So I think that this is not a police cover-up. I think this is what you, you have uh, criminals in, in a murder that took place, and the criminals covered it up. And unfortunately, law enforcement fell for it. Yeah, I agree with you on on some level, but I, I, I do think there's there's two paths. There's there's the path that law enforcement gets there, 
they're they're told this story they buy it for the most part this is the story that then they are able to explain it away to the family but that doesn't mean that there isn't doubt in their mind but but if they went down two rabbit holes one let's go down this rabbit hole that it's accident okay we got all this information let's go down this rabbit hole that it possibly was a murder well, I thought I think because of the eyewitnesses fleeing and not talking to them and not talking to the people at the party, the investigation the investigation just doesn't go anywhere. It hits a dead end. So it's uh, but it sucks because I I think they left way more questions for the family than answers. Exactly, that's exactly right. And again. To point out another problem here, and one that's been corrected, the coroner is not an, a medical examiner. In this situation, we do know that this coroner has come under fire more than once for his findings or lack thereof. Currently, his term is over, and he cannot be reelected. And in fact, the laws in Indiana have changed and now require uh, that the person in charge to be a licensed medical examiner. If you want to further understand the intricacies of the problems of an elected coroner or an appointed coroner versus that of somebody with a, a, a degree, someone that's a doctor, someone that's a licensed medical examiner. I would encourage everyone to check out the cadaver King and the country dentist, a true story of injustice in the American South. Uh, that is by Radley Balco and Tucker Carrington. Uh, they they spent a good deal of time explaining the problems with that situation in other situations uh, throughout this country, and in fact, uh, primarily in the in the South. Now, according to a website that unfortunately does not exist anymore, and I don't understand why it doesn't exist anymore, uh, but per the Justice for Jason Dale Bolton website. The cause of death at some point was changed from accident to, quote, unknown or unknown cause, end quote, mm -hmm. with the investigation listed as ongoing. But from what we've been told, Captain, even though that has been changed, I don't know when that change occurred. To me, I believe it was around four to six years after the death. So to say investigation ongoing, I sit here in 2023 and I, I don't, there is no investigation that is happening in, in Jason's case. No. And that's where I think to me, this leans more to the idea that law enforcement shows up. Maybe they buy part of the story. They're doing investigations. Eventually as more and more of the story comes out, more and more rumors from locals come out that, they, they do look into it more enough to say, well, this could, this could have went a different way. And this, and this might be a situation where it's not an accident, but this could be a situation where it is a murder, but we just don't have anywhere else to go. And until somebody comes forward and one of these individuals comes forward and says, well, actually, you know, I, I didn't pass out on the road. So his story couldn't be true because I wasn't passed out in the middle of the road. Well, and, and to not, keep, I don't want to keep comparing this to other cases, but a case that 
many of our listeners, and if you're tuning in for the first time, I'm sure you're more aware of this case than you are of Jason Bolton's case. But look what happened in the West Memphis 3 case. We know that in that case, you had three boys, three victims, three eight-year-old boys. And even at the time when they are missing and then found dead, several of the parents were not even interviewed by law enforcement. Right. And, and I get it. They are looking law enforcement on that day. They were looking at the parents as victims. And they chose not to interview some of those parents. Right. Well, then that became a big deal in that case many years later when people started to question the convictions that they got in that case. And we learned that somebody like Terry Hobbs wasn't interviewed formally by police until, what was it, 2007? And the boys were killed in 1993? Well, like you said... In this case, we have the cause of death. It's changed years later. But I don't see evidence of in 92, 93, 94. I don't see evidence of them working any kind of investigation. Right. And that I have a problem with. I, I don't think you have to get it right, right away and we're all human, so we make missteps. Yep. But go back. Double check your work. What? Find find these individuals that you weren't able to talk to and talk to them. You know, there has to be, with, with such a small community and so many people involved, because as far as we know, other than Jason, we believe that there's another... Three individuals at that crime scene or accident scene. So where's the investigation? Well, and the thing here too, Captain, and many, look, many great people over time has said a, a, a similar quote in different ways. But I believe it was John F. Kennedy who said that an error only becomes a mistake once you refuse to correct it. And that might be what we have here in the situation. They made an error. As you said, they're human like the rest of us. But going back and refusing to correct it is injustice. And your job is to uphold the law, protect your citizens. And when you, when you cannot protect them from certain evils, get justice for that victim and for their families. I urge anybody... Look, the, the individuals that were at that scene that day, they these were all young men back in 1991. They are still around. They are still in the state of Indiana. Some of them have been up to no good since 1991. I urge anybody with information to please reach out. Understand that regimes change over years. Reach out to the Fayette County Sheriff's Office. You can call them at 765 825 1110 or you can email sheriff jones at z jones at co.fayette.in.us
Thanks for joining us here in the garage each and every week. Thanks for telling a friend. For everything true crime, check out truecrimegarage.com. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading for the beautiful listeners? Thank you, Captain. This week we are recommending a book that rightfully so is titled String Bean, The Life and Murder of a Country Music Legend by Taylor Haygood. Author Taylor Haygood beautifully merges the story of David Stringbean Aikman with an account of murder and a real-life courtroom drama. The 1973 murders of Stringbean and his wife Estelle forever changed Nashville, Tennessee's sense of itself. Check out Streambean, The Life and Murder of a Country Music Legend by Taylor Haygood. You can find that great title and many more by going to truecrimegarage.com and checking out our recommended page. Join us back here in the garage next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't let it. I was shocked, you know? They were always such a good team, so successful. But to do something like that? To exceed their budget? While being over budget might not be a crime, it can disrupt workflows. With Monday.com, you and the team can be sure that you're all in sync. All the data, latest updates, files, and budgets are visible to everyone, so you won't miss a thing. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.